When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition, a spoiler edition of our Game of Thrones podcast brought to you by BaldMove.com. You know, I always feel like I go into this super high energy, but then when I listen to the playback, I just feel like I'm you are, you're, dopey dog. You're, I mean, I wouldn't say dopey, I'd just say low energy, low energy. Okay, okay, I feel like uh, Donald Trump it's, himself is tweeting at me. Well, it, it's say, tough. Guys, this is low energy. It's tough coming out of that, that amazing intro song. Right into a hey everybody, mm. we've got another podcast for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you got to punch it up. I suppose I don't know, but I guess, like I said, like how if I'm already punching it up, how do I punch it up even more? Uh, do exactly that. I don't know. Uh, speaking of our theme song, uh, I'd like to try to give him a shout out uh, a few times a season. Uh, the theme song is graciously used with the permission of Highway Superstar. Uh, which is a uh, producer. Uh, he's he's got a lot of stuff, and and uh, in every show notes, uh, their uh, SoundCloud profile uh, and I think Facebook page is, is linked. But it's the Game of Thrones '80s TV remix, or as I like to call it, Throne Wolf, yeah, or Throne Rider, or Night Throne, whatever, whatever you want to go with. Um, Throne Giver, Throne Giver. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know if it's 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 too synthy for that, but yeah. uh, I do appreciate it. It is uh, it's a high energy song. Mm-hmm coming into my low-energy delivery. Uh, shall we get started? Because there's a lot of yep. material to cover. Uh, there is a lot of people at all abuzz, because as we last left Bran, he is fleeing with Mira, uh, and it's just them alone, and there's hordes of whites, mm-hmm. and w- that's W-I-G-H-T. Uh, it's it's my every-three-episode reminder that it's not... Because it's funny, I've got the... <laughs> Uh, a lot of people that don't know the distinction are just spelling phonetically or t- always talking yeah. about the whites, W-H-I-T-E-S. And it's right. like, <laughs> the whites are responsible for this. The whites are responsible <laughs> like this bizarro world. Like if, if, if uh, you know, it's like uh, white people were made slaves of a black country and now the black people okay. are in power and they're always talking about the whites are doing this or the whites are doing that and the goddamn whites. That's what my email looks like. It's like somehow oddly racist and jarring. But huh. what are you going to do? Uh, these whites are they're hot on their, he- on their heels, and also, you know, to say nothing of the Night's King. Uh, and how are they going to fight them off? They just got the blizzard to to kind of cloak them. And how much help is that? So you've got the 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 king of the Night's King, yeah, uh, who lives in the lands always. But you know, a blizzard's not going to put him off. So in the book, I mentioned this. There is this undead, perhaps former ranger corpse who has the appearance of a white with the, mm-hmm. um, you know, typically a blood pooled in his hands. Um, it's, it's, he's got like black, uh, black in hands and frostbitten hands and the piercing blue eyes. And he rides his great elk and he's the one that meets Bran, Mira and Jojen and Hodor north of the wall and leads them to the three eyed crow. 
people are wondering if there's going to be a kind of Martin remix or Double D remix, and uh, Cold Hands is going to escort them back to the wall. Uh, and, and as evidence, it seems like in the preview for next week, there's an imagery of a man riding a horse, and he's got a torch in his hand, and he's, like, confronting Mira and Jojen. Hmm. Okay. So the idea, um, also feeding into this idea, is Justin W. writing in and said, Hey, guys, I was looking at the IMDb uh, page and noticed that Joseph Mauley, the guy who plays Benjen Stark, is cast for episode six. Germ has said that Benjen is not cold hands in the books, but do you think they might make him cold hands in the show? Hmm. First, I want to di- uh, you know, dish a, a bucket of cold water on some of this because last time Joseph Mauley showed up in the credits, it was because he was mentioned in the previously on at the end of last season. Huh, okay. So apparently, you know, when you show an uh, uh, an actor's likeness even in a, in a previously on that that triggers residuals or whatever, and he gets cast notes. So, and also IMDb, I've seen where people just fuck with it. Like there's not, you know, it, the the ability to just add people to the the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what controls they have over that, but I have known that there's been fuckery with it. Yeah. Having said that, one of the oldest horriest topics of Game of Thrones, Ice of Fi- the Song of Ice and Fire, theory crafting and lore is that Benjen Stark is actually Cold Hands. Um, that's a theory I don't like because a lot of things that Cold Hands says about himself, the fact that he's old, uh, he implies that you know he's at, it's, could be several hundred years old. He's been dead a long time. Um, you know, hmm. who knows what that would mean through an Obi Wan Kenobi translator? But I've never really gotten the idea that it's Benjen. Also, I feel like Bran would recognize his uncle. You know, like even if he's even an if undead he's zombie white, corpse, yeah. like you know, like I, he, he, I just feel like, and then again, he's got like a cloak, and his face is kind of shrouded a lot of the times. But still, I feel like Brand would be like, "You sound or and or look an awful lot like my my uncle." Yeah. Um. But but having said all that, that would be kind of a satisfying, interesting remix. And there's nothing in like you know, uh. I know that Cold Hands can't join them in the cave because it's warded against whites, and obviously he can't go in there. Okay. But it wouldn't surprise me if he plays some role, assuming that the books go down kind of like we had in the television show. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how they get around the problem, like you said, of of, of what he told them about him being real old and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, they could just they could just Martin's razor it. Like, I suppose so. Yeah, just not have him say that in the show. Like, like Cold Hands is. I mean, I don't. That's the thing. Like, how do I feel about stuff like that? The double D's are like, well, this is a fan theory, and it's not true. But because people know who Benjen is and Benjen went missing, uh, we're just going to make him that. Just mm-hmm. kind of like be a cool little Easter egg, and it's essentially true from a book point of view, but it's. I guess explicitly not true. Uh, I, I don't know. And, you know, I know Gurm has said that he's not the same guy, but he's also said that Targaryens aren't fireproof, so the show is free right. to dismiss that. But I think a undead Benjen would be a pretty cool addition to the show. Yeah, and it assumes, I guess, that he doesn't have any other kind of role to play in the story, which may or may not be true. To I don't me, know, but... I always thought that, that Benjen was kind of like a MacGuffin. Like, okay. uh, he's the first stranger, he's important to John. It's a way to get the ranger. You know, he's gone disappear. He's he's gone missing early mm-hmm. on in the story, and it's a breadcrumb for the 
uh, Night's Watch to follow to get to the fir- Fist of yeah. the First Men, which is where they get the Dragon Glass and where they encounter the White Walkers. He, it's it's a not story. about him; it's more about them. Exactly. Yeah. He's a, he's essentially a story engine, right? So, but I, again, if it's if it's like that on the show, I'm in favor. Uh, Steve G says, "I've been reading through post episode five commentary, and people seem very positive on the whole King's Moot deal." I myself thought it was pretty weak, borderline Dorn level weak, to be honest. I don't think Euron huh. made up for the lack of Dragonhorn to speech. He walks up, admits to killing the king. People are cool with this. Iron Islanders seem like a joke in the show. The whole let's go kill them line really topped that off. I regret wishing for this plot to show up in the books. I need Victorian Greyjoy. I need the Dragonhorn. Um, what? So... I don't know what to say about this because I'm not a fan of the Greyjoy plot, and as a as a as a side effect of that, and the fact that the Double Ds have kind of skirted all this stuff, a lot of my analysis of the books is is pretty Greyjoy deficient. Okay. Having said that, um, it did seem like it was a pale imitation of the books. There wasn't. Tre- I mean, we talked about all the different ways they could adapt things from the books. Like, you know, spilling the treasure or Theon. Like, they, they went with the Theon angle of Theon standing up for his sister and then being kind of cowed by the by Euron showing up and, like, a yeah. lot to talk about his missing cock. Uh, there wasn't treasure being spilled. There wasn't any dragon horn. Yeah. Does that tell you that the dragon horn is bullshit? Uh, not yet. No? Not yet. Um, maybe he just didn't need to whip out his dragon horn. Yeah. You know? Uh, and didn't need to whip out the treasure. The treasure is the most disappointing thing to me because... That fundamentally changes the the not power structure, but the incentives yeah. of the Iron Islanders. Like I I expected them to dump out their treasures. Right. Based on what you told me in the books, but they're they're fundamentally not that kind of people, I guess. I mean in the like show. in the books the King's Moot felt like a some kind of primary election. You know, right. there was a structure, you had the high the high priest Aaron Dampere, mm-hmm. um coming up there and calling forth the contenders and they gave just their the most and... literal of names coming sure. from george martin what's funny is there's a lot of people wrote me said i always assumed that his name was damp fair because it's the p and h together making the phonetic f oh okay and like Dampfair. the fact that you right. pronounce it damp hair it's like a lot of people like smack their foreheads it's like <laughs> oh bone. yeah oh yeah he's always drowning people in the sea probably has <laughs> literally got his hair wet yeah, um, good old cold hands. Especially then... since he's he's not Aaron Dampair, he's actually Aaron Greyjoy called the Dampair. Okay. So, it, so it's Aaron the Dampair Greyjoy. Right, right. In this corner. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, what's the super disappointing thing about the Dragonhorn is that since they've established that Daenerys seems to be just fireproof all the time. One of the coolest possibilities is she just blows her own goddamn dragon horn because she's got the fire, like you've mentioned, she got the fireproof lungs. Right, wouldn't with, kill her probably. With, with the dragon horn in the not being in the show, like Euron's essentially I, I got his say, big cock in his fleet, and he doesn't even have his fleet at this point. Uh, but I want to say yet, I want to say yet on that dragon horn. I don't know that that I want to write it off so soon. Where does, where does it come from? I mean, there's a lot of popular theories that we may be discussing in this. Um, I'm not sure what made the final cut, but uh, I know that some people were speculating that Jorah and his explora, exploring for the cure to his grayscale mm-hmm. might uncover some kind of horn. Yeah, could be. Could be. Or the Danny herself. Back to Danny. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about some of uh, Danny's like prophetic fulfillment here in a bit. Okay. Uh, someone also mentioned uh, there's lots of mentions of uh, various plot in the books versus the show, which might explain his discomfort level because he was creeped out just by the fact that this woman knew so much about him. But some people are supposing that since in the books, uh, which Varys is not lined up with Danny, he's actually got this whole complex scheme. Uh, with uh, another guy to put this, you know, perhaps fake Targaryen on the throne, but I guess he would still be a Targaryen loyalist. Okay. Um, that 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 they're going to introduce this later on in the in the series, and this explains why he's afraid because he knows that she's going to smoke him out. Do, what's your read on this? With however many episodes we have to go, what five plus thirteen is that? What it is? We've got so uh, yeah, five more. Yeah, five more plus 13 in the next two seasons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, what, 18 left? Do you think that there is time to introduce this whole fake, perhaps fake, I keep on saying it's fake, like it's a it's a point of fact, but my read on is Aegon and the whole um, John Connington and this, this whole scheme with the Golden Suns, that that's a pretender to the throne and it's a distraction. Do you think we have time to introduce this whole new plot? Uh... Maybe not as satisfyingly as everyone would like, and maybe it'll go the way of Dorne. Maybe this will get swept under the rug, Uh Um, because, you know, especially if R plus L equals J, then maybe it's not super important, yeah? Well, and the other thing is Dorne hasn't openly declared war against the, you know, the the ruling Lannister slash Baratheon house. Maybe this is the Double Ds looking at the book and like, okay, the big... The big, it seems, the emphasis of uh, Aegon Landing is that it's a it's a point that the small council is concerned with at the very end of Dance of Dragons. Like, oh God, here's this guy claiming to be a Targaryen. He's landed with a hundred or ten thousand mercenaries. Hmm. Um, he's all fucking around in the Stormland. What are we going to do? It could be that in the Double D's takes Martin's razor and like, you know what? We're going to combine that with the Dorne plot since that's kind of linked somewhat anyway. And Dorne is just rising up against. Yeah, you know, it's very efficient. It doesn't introduce new players. It still provides the threat that's going to distract the King's Landing from whatever they need to be doing in in the first place, anyway. So, yeah, because I'm not even getting a hint of a kind of fake Targaryen in the the show. Sure. sure. Um, also, everyone is going crazy with this whole "what if Bran is X" theories, <laughs> right? I mean, understandably so. I mean, like we got with like, what if Bran is Bran the Builder? What if Bran like a lot of a lot a lot of people are suggesting? What if Bran is literally the Three Eyed Raven? Right. Yeah. Um, what if Bran is Benjen Stark? Um, one one kind of novel theory that I'm going to talk about in the main cast because it's not necessarily spoilers is. Um, what if, so Hodor dies, becomes white. What if Bran still wargs into him and he continues to control Hodor and he's kind of like their, he's kind of like a cold hands version of Hodor as their champion. Yeah. Like you've just got a zombie Hodor hanging around. Or could be be. another theory that a couple people proposed is because of the circular nature of the brain damage to Hodor that like that he's literally could be putting because man, there's so many people debated the minutia of what happened. And some people surmised that because Hodor's eyes didn't stay white, that Hodor was acting as if young Hodor, Hodor or young Willis's brain was jacked into Hodor's body and he was acting of his own free will, helping out Bran. 
No, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. Certainly at the beginning, it's not true, even if his eyes do go back to normal. Right. But that's like after I've read 30 billion emails, like my brain gets kind of turned to mush and I'm not sure what to believe anymore. Like that, that struck me as there's no way that could be possibly. No, I mean, you see his eyes go white, uh, but then they clear for for a long, a good long while. And it's as far as I can tell, the damage is done, right? Yeah. Like, Plus, like when Brand- Hodor, Hodor in the future, like mm-hmm. modern Hodor, is not changing in that scene at all. Yeah, he's it's still only the Hodor. outplay, yeah, 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 the playing out of the the initial instance where Hodor has yeah. the seizure and falls over. Yeah, and I, I also think that in instances where Brands jacked Hodor's body before, that his eyes didn't stay white. Oh no, no, and. and mm-hmm. And certainly, I don't think it's supposed to. You're supposed to understand that when he's running around, that Shaggy do, or as as Summer rather, that Summer's eyes are white the whole time. Like I feel like that's just a visual. It's a visual thing to show that Bran is in his body, and then he pretty much his eyes clear and he's normal. I I don't know. I mean, what what are people trying to get at here? That that's a that, good question. That Hodor just like had a random seizure and Bran happens to be well, there I in that people moment. Don't, and... like, it seems like the people sending in this email, these types of emails, their primary thing is they just didn't like the idea that Bran did something so dark, which is <laughs> essentially bad. ruin a man's life solely. And I can say his entire life for how old mm-hmm. was Willis? 16, 17, 18. If that, he might so, have been 13. Like he, he's robbed 30, 40 years of this man's life just right. to sacrifice him there at the end and people didn't like that so it's like well <laughs> too bad I mean, somehow I'm... willis's brain jacked into modern hodor and he made the conscious nah, free nah. will decision to sacrifice himself that's still okay i hate to break it to you brand did this to hodor he didn't yes. realize that that's he had done thing. it to like, hodor it wasn't a plan that it wasn't malicious it just happened and if brand is the key to everything uh yes. then then hodor's sacrifice is worth it and hodor is just as noble and just as heroic as Bran. So here's here's the cool theory that this might be a kind of an Aaron original that I've that I've um surmised by looking at everybody else's stuff and reading on Reddit and kind of musing on this. What if George Martin and the Double Ds are trying to show Bran literally learning how to do this on the job. First time he warps uh-huh. into somebody and messes with time travel, he gets Hodor. Uh-huh. Then he continues to refine this because he's trying desperately to do something in the past that will actually affect a good change. And he's mucks with the Mad King, drives him crazy. Okay. Uh, That's a second. But it's interesting. There's some stuff about Rhaegar, uh, who, if, you know, all the theories we think are true or true, ends up producing John, which might be the prince that's promised. Um, We learn a lot about Rhaegar from... um, Barristan, when he's hiding out as this Ariston Whitebeard, he's he's in hiding. He's he's entered Danny's service um, without telling her who he really is because he's nervous about how he'll take her. Mm-hmm. And she's asking him just like she does in the show, you know, what was her brother like? And he tells her about, um, you know, he's determined, he's deliberate, he's dutiful, he's single-mindedly. But he tells a story about him as as a young man. And I'm going to quote it here from the second book. He says, "As a young boy, the Prince of Dragonstone is bookish to a fault." He was reading so early that men said Queen Raelia must have swallowed some books and a candle while he was in her womb. Rhaegar took no interest in the play of other children. The maesters were awed by his wits, but his father's knights would jest sourly that Baylor the Blessed had been born again, uh, which is a shot at Baylor's you know, non-martial and kind of more hmm. theocratic-minded uh, kingship. 
Uh, until one day, Prince Rhaegar found something in his scrolls that changed him. No one knows what it might have been, only that the boy suddenly appeared early one morning in the yard as the knights were donning their steel. He walked up to Sir Willem Derry, the master at arms, and said, I will require a sword and armor. It seems I must be a warrior. Everyone assumes that he found something or discovered something in his books. Yeah. But what if this is Bran whispering to him that he's got some other purpose? Also, he goes through and marries this other girl, the Princess of Dorne, ultimately rejects her to take up with Lyanna. What if that's another subtle... Like, Bran's finally learned how to really subtly nudge history, and this is what leads to Jon being born, who's going to deliver us from the White Walkers. Hmm. The problem with that theory is that it's not it's not a casual loop. And it's you know what I'm saying? Like this would be something the brand does uniquely, but if he does it uniquely, how did it happen in the first place? Oh, right, right. Um yeah. and that's the thing about time travel that I to be honest is the big noodle bender mm-hmm. is you know, it kind of makes you believe in a universe where everything is kind of fixed in a like, like you know, everything's crystallized and like this amber, and nothing right. can ever be changed. And if you try to change stuff, you'll just reinforce whatever happened before. Ergo, why do anything? Why does Brand do anything? Because by doing nothing, he will have to do the things he had to do to get him into the position to do. To th- you know what I mean? Well, it's I kind mean, of fatalistic. Yeah, it's more like you can't do anything that you wouldn't have done like in the past or that you will do in the like you can't or is the danger you don't know what is all the danger is you don't know the intricacies of the timeline sure and if you don't do certain things you could fuck up the timeline if you do do certain things you could fuck up the timeline but you're i i don't know i don't know if bran has the ability to change like free will essentially right right like does he choose to do the things he does because he thinks he's making a choice or does he make that choice because that's the choice he makes in the timeline like yeah the 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 timeline doesn't work without him making those choices and he thinks he's making a choice to do something but really he's acting on information that always leads him to that choice right which is like, that's kind of a weird... And also, the other problem with the whole brand fixes everything pro- uh, theory is it seems like it makes everyone else's actions completely irrelevant. Sure, yeah. Like, John's not very cool. He's essentially a lab experiment that Bran created and engineered and subtly influenced, and he's a puppet. Like, all the individual yeah. acts of sacrifice and heroism were already ordained to happen and must happen, and, and if they didn't, Bran made sure they were going to happen, or made a three-eyed crow or whoever... Yeah, um, and then if you extend the idea to to Bran himself, where he's his own puppet, right? Uh, he's just a puppet of of causality. Yes. Then no one no one is making any choices, and the story is pointless because no one has any say over it. Yeah, I mean that's why uh, it it gets a little hairy. That's why time travel is tricky. Also, I got a yeah. avalanche of people taking issue with us calling this time travel. And they're like, time travels, you got to have a DeLorean or a TARDIS, or you have to fit, you like the Terminator, you got to physically go back in the past. And I'm like, no, okay, I, I, if you want to grant that there's time travel as if a person physically travels back into the past, that's one definition of time travel. But like the Stephen Hawking, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson definition of time travel is sending information back in the past or yeah. 
forward into the future into the past because also. that's that's one of the reasons why people are more or less saying that it's probably going to be impossible to travel faster than light right because if something could you could transmit information into the past or into the future and then you'd have time travel yeah and the laws of the universe seem specifically set up to where that can't happen well you can easily transmit it into the future how well (laughs) sorry yes you're right here i'm doing it right now exactly um so like i define a type of time travel as and and people like well it's just a whisper it's just this or just that but but he's affecting the outcome of the past yes with the present it's not time travel like voop he's back in the past it's he's he but he's still sending information backwards in time that's changing the present and the future yeah that to me is what i'm saying and i think that's inarguable at this point that that's what's happening yeah he can't get an ancient sports almanac and make a whole bunch of money, certainly. Yeah. Or I mean, future sports almanac. Before the season, everyone assumed that Bran was going to be a passive watcher. Like yeah. there was a couple of theories because there were there were there was this whispering stuff happening in the books mm-hmm. where he his dad hears him, uh, Theon hears him in the weirwoods uh, weirwood forest of Winterfell. A couple other instances, but I think this out and out confirmation that this is not Bran just watching a vision or receiving information from the past, which could influence his decisions making in the future. Yep. This is him actually going back and able to fuck with the past. Yes. Um, Irrefutable, in my opinion. I think so at this point, too. So I don't know. What do you think of my Hodor, Mad King, Rhaegar experimentation theory? I like it. It's okay. the three step reveal. It's yeah. Three step Bran exactly. prophecy. Exactly. Uh, Sean T, though, has the bucket of cold hands water that he wants to throw on everything. He goes, this whole brand is the cause of Aerys, the Mad King's madness, is just ridiculous. Hmm. The Mad King's descent into madness is well documented and stemmed from his abduction at Summerhall. I believe uh, that's the, the name of the event. Uh, after that, everyone said he changed, and he was always obsessed with fire and burning people, such as when he burned Ned's father. Plus, he had planned to burn the entire kingdom down by planting caches of wildfire all around King's Landing, and when he says burn them all, he finishes it by saying them, uh, let them be king of ash and bone. There's no way he's talking about the White Walkers. Do okay, you... can you describe this this instance that he's talking about oh, in any kind of detail? Okay, so I'm, again, this is some, like, Dunkin' Egg stuff, which I'm not an expert at. Uh, and apparently there's a couple other people have written in and say, well, what did you think of these other short stories? I'm like, fuck, I've only read the three that were bound <laughs> in the illustrated copy they got for... Uh, for Christmas. Um, okay. So apparently the, the, the saga continues. Um, but the tragedy of Summerhall is when this uh, King Aegon, you know, they're always trying to to hatch dragon eggs at this point because uh, at, 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 this, at this stage in the game, which is only about 40 to 60 years uh, prior to the events of Game of Thrones, I believe, um, you know, the dragons are all gone. And the Targaryens are understandably upset about that because they went from world-conquering, dragon-riding badasses to a bunch of sickly inbred morons well. who think it's a good idea to try to drink wildfire and and, and to hatch these dragon eggs. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure because there's I there could be that Summerhall was just his attempt to hatch eggs and I'm confusing him with another Targaryen who drank wildfire to become... You know, the prince that's promised, some of the stuff is murky to me. But Mm -hmm. some experiment there led to the whole fucking palace being burnt to the ground and killed a large swath of the Targaryen family. Okay. The Targaryen line. So they're even even fewer and farther between, further between. And then the Mad King comes back and he's 
changed. This, this is something that's that that's fucked with him, um, and he's 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 a changed man after this. Now, one thing, uh, and he could be referring to something. Maybe there's another thing that happened to Summerhall that he just got kidnapped at. I don't know. It seems like this is all connected, though, from my from my memories. My thing is like it's so easy to exp- like if you just start doing the fan fiction style of theory right. crafting. It's oh, like, well, Bran went back because he knew the maybe that's were why the king was trying and... to hatch the dragon. The Bran put the bug in his ear, and then he just went on to the Mad King. Like maybe it's a four step reveal right. instead of three step. You could reveal. see him going, "Oh fuck, winter's coming. We need dragons. Let's get these puny little dragons back to their yeah. natural state." Fucking with the the Mad King, and yeah. whoops, messed that one up. Too. Exactly. Hodor so, than the Mad King. Whoopsie. And that's where it's like, at some point, my role as an editor is yeah. to be like, nope, nope, nope. This is too much speculation. We need right. to we need to wait and see what, what happens with the series. Fair enough. Uh, but no, I mean, it's... I'm not saying that Bran making the Mad King mad is like a, a set in stone theory. It's just something yeah. that a lot of people are talking about. And this, like, now that we got time travel, like, holy cow... Things are getting out of control in theory land. Oh, I bet. So, like I said in the full cast, it blows it wide open. Sure, sure. Um, and the thing is, now that we don't have books, it's like, what is your evidence? There's just a whole lot of, well, what if, or what if, or what if, or wouldn't it be cool, you know? Yeah. Um, pretty soon, Boba Fett's going to be blasting his way out of Sarlacc pit, <laughs> and who knows what happens from there. Uh, Straka J says, my father started watching the show this spring, has caught up with us, but still needs plenty of support and explanation to stay on track. Last night after the episode, they were discussing Arya's scene where my dad asked, why does the Stark girl keep getting his ass kicked just to follow this guy that got caught in King's Landing? Usually I can answer his questions, but this one stumped me. Do you have any insight as to how Jacken got in that predicament, or was he just someone wearing a face? So, this question, because I, I the, the spoiler thing is kind of a clearinghouse for stuff that doesn't also really fit into the main podcast. This is not necessary spoilers, but... Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're asking is, when we first meet Jack and Hagar, he's in a cart. He's claimed to be being held in the black cells, and he's awaiting prisoner transfer to Castle Black to take the black. And he's with these two other maniacs. Uh, Arya frees them when their cart gets caught on fire, which, uh, which forms a relationship, and him owing her um, a few deaths to make up for it. And then the rest is history. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, your first reaction is, well, if Jack and Hagar is such a badass, why did he get arrested doing whatever he was doing in King's Landing? And before I start talking about okay. what I'm thinking, do you have any thoughts? Well, even badasses get into trouble. <laughs> like... <laughs> sure. But, I mean, this is a guy who can magically change his fucking face. Right. And make people, like, you know, you don't have to... Re- I don't think you have to go with the whole, guards, guards, my... Prisoner, my fellow prisoner's having a heart attack. Come open the door. I don't think you need to rely on shit like that if you can change your face. To Where get out. can you change your face, though? Like, can you just change your face on the fly if you're a faceless man? I mean, just, he, and know, he did in Ari. He, he just took his hand like this. Right, but they were in the hall. Face. Like, they're. I don't know. And I, also, I don't know enough about the faceless men to really say, honestly. Uh, question who does uh the other thing is do we know that just jack and hagar guy is the same guy because again no, he can don't. change his right. fucking face yeah we have no idea if this is the same and guy. in the books they take this like too absurd like Arya is trained by all these different people and you think they might all be the same person or they could be different or this man could be well like yeah. it, it gets all topsy-turvy however there is like a prominent theory that 
Jacken maybe was there to take a particular interest in um, Arya, or sure. the person, the, another person being held in the black cells at the same time he was there is one um, Ned Stark. And there's a okay. theory that um, Lannisters, like whether it was Cersei or Jaime or someone, might or maybe someone like Varys or Littlefinger knew there was going to be a political shitstorm if Ned got executed or set free. So they hired the Faceless Men to kill Ned in the dungeons. They failed. Well, I mean, it could be that they didn't fail. It's just that Joffrey lost his mind and had Ned's head cut off before well, the plan they, was able. They failed. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, maybe they got a refund on that contract. But, yeah. I mean, there's also a theory that Jack and Hagar is also Serial Pharrell, which was uh, Arya's first trainer. Okay. Because he's a Bravosi swordsman. He's, you know. Right. But, but crucially, he seems to rebel against the god of death. Because his mantra yeah. to Arya is, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. That mm-hmm. seems anathema to a faceless man. Right. But... Um, I used to really bang that theory hard because Desiro Pharrell was such a badass and he's so awesome. I didn't want him to just go die with his little wooden sword with these bitch-ass second-rate Kingsguards <laughs> against him. Uh-huh. But the more of a fan I become of Game of Thrones, this shit happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's essentially the very first taste we got of, like, Rob Stark and Oberyn. Oh, you think this guy's cool and he's going to be able to save the... G- no, nope, he's just going to get cut down. At best, he'll buy Arya enough time to go live like a street urchin for a while. Right. So, uh... You can't assume that Jack and just, you know, even James Bond gets caught every once in a while. Maybe he just got fucked up. Maybe he was there to fuck around with Ned Stark. Maybe he was there to take a particular interest in Arya for some reason. Mm-hmm. For the uh, Faceless Men's inscrutable purposes. Who knows? That is one hell of a recruitment system, if that's if that's what we're, what we're talking about, though. Uh, Robin R said, now that Danny has her armies, what do you think will be next for her? The two things that jumped off in my mind are get ships and go to a shy. One of shy. Yep. We're about to get there. I think the ships will be accomplished by the Greyjoys, obviously, or maybe not Two, the last line of her prophecy is to touch the light. You must pass beneath the shadow. A shy is very closely associated with dragons as even her dragon eggs were gotten from there. Uh, according to the text, the Valerians learn how to control dragons from the magic of a shy, so it makes sense that this should be your next destination. I think a really cool reveal would be to show that Planetos world is actually a sphere or cylinder, and she pops up in the Casterly Rock area. Okay, so let's unpack this. Oh, Jesus, you want now you want to distort the geometry? We've already distorted the time. <laughs> well, it's, you want non-Euclidean planets if here? If you paid What's attention to, to you know, modern physics, distorting time and space is kind of one and the same. You're right. <laughs> uh, so see? Confirmed. Uh, so this is a prophecy. If you remember, there's a character in season two. You probably don't remember, but she's this mysterious person named Quaith. And she appeared and she had these, like, shiny gym like a mesh mass that she spoke through and she's very mysterious hmm. and she hasn't popped up since she has appeared once in the books but this prophet she, she said to danny uh she said to go north you must go south to reach the west you must go east to go forward you must go back and to touch the light you must pass beneath the shadow uh danny half quoted this prophecy a few episodes back um and a shy is called the Gotta shadowlands get up to get down. i i yeah so she's gone certainly gone east and presumably going back west so well part of that's and to go forward you have to go back that could be like there's there's a lot of um a lot of things 
a lot of people have a lot of explanations for this theory. Like okay. to go forward, you must go back. Is like to get to where you need to go, you got to go back to your, your Dothraki to get the army, right? Uh, you know. But the one of the literal tra- and and this the Shadowlands, which is intriguing, is because a lot of what he says, like um, the Lord of Light, a lot of that religion is from Ashai. Uh, Melisandre is from Ashai. Hmm. Um, uh, it's called the Shadowlands because all the buildings are made from this like really dark obsidian, and it lies within the the shadow of this mountain. So it's like unnaturally gloomy all the time. Okay, uh, and there's like a lot of magic and shit. And also, this is as far east as Marine is from King's Landing. Like you keep going Jesus. a long ways to get to Ashai. It's that big of a gulf. Yeah, and I think what what they're alluding to here is that. Uh, presumably, the Westerosi think that the world is flat, mm-hmm. like the primitive people do, and that Danny's going to figure out that she's going to be like the Chris Columbus. Which don't send me email. I I I, I know the modern view, Christopher Columbus. Mm-hmm. She's going to be like America Vespucci or whatever. Vespucci, yep. uh, and she's going to figure out that she can actually sail the opposite way and get there quicker, or maybe go through a shy and find a dragon horn or some secrets like that. Hmm. Um. What do you think? I suppose. I mean, if how how big a part of the show has been that? I guess she did quote the prophecy. She's kind That's of on saying, board like, with it. Like I, I've learned that this show can like. There's some things I thought there's no way they've blown past it. There's no way they can they yeah. can do all this stuff, and then they do it in like a five minute scene. So like I have faith in this show ability to lay a certain number of tracks, especially when it comes to prophecy, because all you got to do is say to prophecy. It's not like you have to say to right. prophecy five seasons ago. You can just bam. In fact, it's probably more beneficial to just bam hit people right when it's going to be relevant. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very possible that yeah. she does that. But there's so many ways to interpret this. A lot of people think the past beneath the shadow is literally like the shadow of Drogon, or it could be the shadow that she went under when she went under the big horse arch. Like you know, prophecies. There's tons of ways to interpret them. Yeah, and l- let me be clear on what I'm saying. I'm not saying that she necessarily has to discover, oh, I can sail around the other side of this thing. Right. I- I'm saying it's probably likely that she continues east if she's talking about a shy. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, the shy does make sense as a destination. Number one, be kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, they're, they are associated with like, magic and dragons, and that'd be a great place to stop off and get a dragon horn. Yeah. But it's just, there's not... There hasn't been enough tracks laid yet for me to say one way or another what I think of that. Gotcha. Uh, David A. says, Listening to your Stranger Spoiler cast and your Lightbringer talk got me thinking, what if Longclaw is Lightbringer, but it just hasn't been quenched three times yet? Uh, His theory is that John needs to kill three people with it to create a true Lightbringer. First, water. This is the toughest one, but if John kills Walder Frey, he could represent the water quenching. Uh, there might be a better one, Ramsey, because snow really is just hard water, or frozen water, I should say. Damp hair. He needs to get damp hair. He needs... There you go. <laughs> He's, his, his hair is so wet. Is it water, ice, and fire? Is that the... Is that <laughs> the, the three quenchings? What's... No, it's water. It's, it's He quenches in water, then he did it in the heart of a lion, then he did it in the heart of his wife. Okay. Gotcha. The second uh, one's a lot easier to see coming. Heart of a lion, you gotta kill a Lannister. Yeah. Right. Lots of Lannisters need to be killed... Pick pick one, pick yep. two. Uh, there you go. Line them <laughs> up, bam. Um, Cersei's the most obvious choice for that. Sure. Uh, third is a wife or someone that you love. 
the thing that everyone wants to happen is John marrying Danny. But what if she does go to full Mad Queen route and, has, and he has to kill her to save the realm? It's a tragic but necessary, and considering Danny and her dragons are fire made flesh, quenching a sword through her heart would give it the heat and light required to be the true light bringer. I know you said, think it's just a metaphor, okay. but I thought this would be awesome and very Game of Thrones. My only problem with honestly, I think this is actually pretty cool. Um, I don't. The water thing is kind of like a little bit of what the fuck, but I mm-hmm. guess Ramsay Snow, even though he is a, tr- a Bolton now. Like, would that work for you? Uh, I don't know. It's borderline. I'm not seeing the water. I mean, Walter Frey, the only reason you're associated with him with water at all is because he has a castle that spans a river. Uh-huh. Like, that is not exactly screaming water to me. I mean, you could have the Manderleys. You could kill a Manderley. They're like sigils, a mermaid. That's associated yeah, with... Yeah, who's the fish? Who? Which, which house oh, is the fish? Oh, yeah, kill the blackfish with it. Well, kill Blackfish. Okay. There you go. He's gonna go. So He's my suggestion around like a fish, and you kill him. There's your water. Okay. No, I was thinking. Is it <laughs> who who has the fish sigil? That yeah, it's the Tullys. It's cats. Cats. It house. is okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why it's called the Blackfish. He's the black right. sheep. Right. Yes. Of course. But he's a fish. So uh, how about this for your the heart of your wife? What if he kills Sansa with it? What if she's the sacrifice, someone he loves? Hmm. So you're you're going with him. He's he's, in, he's a true blue Targaryen, and he's marrying his sister. No, wife. I'm not saying marrying. I'm just like you're saying it's you're a right. true sacrifice of love. It's not necessarily a wife. Yeah, it could be a close relative or someone you care about. Because I just can't see Danny being like, yeah, okay, let's do this heart. Let's do the sword through the heart thing. Well, that's the thing. Like his John. theory is that she's she's following after her f- father's footsteps, the Mad King, mm-hmm. and she needs to be put down. Which I don't like because I think if you go with it metaphorically, it's got to be a willing sacrifice. This right. Isn't some... And I haven't seen. I, I guess I haven't seen the signs of the Mad Kingness coming up in her yet. Mm. Uh, she's learning. She's struggling, but sure. I don't know that she's mad. Yeah, she might be angry. <laughs> but, but not if, crazy she's just pissed yeah but i mean so. if sansa can see something maybe he jabs her in the heart okay I, that's that's a new thought i i could see that uh again that's that that would imply that there's nothing potentially vital or important about long claw it's still the quenching process that that does aria oh, jabs aria through the heart because they have the best relationship right jesus christ that's dark <laughs> i'm going i'm going all the way with it why not well, and mm, wow, that would be an interesting book into their relationship. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah, no, but I mean, this is fucking Game of Thrones, and it's true. you know, what's Martin playing at? Uh, let us move on. Callie L says, "Hey, I'm not totally up to all spe- things Quentin." She's referring to Quentin Martell, the son of Doran, mm-hmm. who was sent off to go f- uh, court Danny. Uh, but I'm familiar with the part where he goes to Marine to win Danny over and fails miserably by getting roasted by her dragons. Considering how arrogant Euron sounded in his King's Mooch speech, King's Mooch. It's King's Mooch. He's mooching <laughs> off the throne. That's why they didn't have any treasure. That's right. It's he a mooched King's it all. Mooch. <laughs> uh, it's a mistranslation. It's unfortunate. Uh, how arrogant he sounded in the King's Mooch speech about making Danny his bride. I wouldn't be surprised to see him meet that fate. Nor would I mind given his lack of creativity for insults. Seriously, so many cheap eunuch shots this year. What Absolutely. Are th- what are your thoughts on this? It seems like it'd be a shame if this happens. In the book, Euron seems kind of interesting and as exciting as Prince Oberyn in his way, but so far I'm not that impressed with the newest Ironborn character. Nope. I say death to Moochie. Death Get to Moochie. 
<laughs> no one needs this purple dinosaur. Get him the fuck out of here. Uh, yeah, I saw. I, I could see her totally being like, "Oh, oh, really? You're offering up your dick well, on me, the let, platter? Fine, let, I'll take it." And she burns him alive. Oh yeah, let, 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 yeah, I want you to meet my children. That's always something you do before you get into right. a serious long term relationship. Oh, you brought me these boats. Great. I mean, even Tyrion could egg him on. Like I went down there. It's no big deal. But the thing is, mechanically, yeah. you're having to assume that something goes terribly wrong with Theon and uh, Yara, and that Euron makes it over there, and he gets an right. audience with her. I, actually, that's a really cool idea, that she just l- uses his own arrogance against him. Like, yeah. of course I'll be your husband, but you have to, my children have to accept you first. He gets yeah. down there, gets roasted alive, she takes his ships, bada-bang, bada-boom. Seems very in character for both of them. I also wonder if, Ari- if, if Yara... Man, Arya, Yara. If if Yara and Theon go, and assuming that they're going to do the court, you know, try to, to beat their uncle to the punch, mm-hmm. uh, because in the books, Danny kind of like is charmed and intrigued by Quentin, and like you know, it's like, hey, you know, sorry that we had this like family plot that I didn't know about, but I already married this uh, the the Zalorak guy, and mm. I can only ha- you know I, I can only have one husband at a time, and he mm-hmm. kind of like is put off into quarters and, and, and separated and he's kind of frustrated and uh, he gets in his mind that he has to be bold to win her affection and that's why he goes to, to, to try to tame her dragons uh, for when to impress her when she comes back. I could see Theon doing that. I could see Yara doing that. Like, we have to have a big play. We have to have these people. We're just these Iron Islanders. No one takes us seriously. We gotta, we gotta go big. And one of them get roasted. Because the scene of someone getting roasted by Dragonfire, something significant, is pretty tasty. And I can't see the Double Ds <laughs> not using it. Yeah. Somebody's got to get roasted. We've only seen that once. Uh, is there any... Do you, do you like one of those theories more than the other? I, I, now that I said it, like, the Theon one was mine and the Yara, but I like the the angle of Euron just getting tricked by his own arrogance. Yeah, I do too. Uh, he seems to deserve it more, certainly. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, that, that leaves the question of what the hell happens with Yara and Theon. If they go over there, is it like, well, we got these ships and and we like Euron doesn't notice as he's landing with all his ships that she's already got a shitload of ships? Like, yeah, I, I know. Or do they just not go there and they they go somewhere else and then Euron shows up with Danny and that happens? It's a good question. Um, it's also interesting that um, one of his claims that made it into the show is how he sails all over. Like in the books, they made it a big deal about. He sailed to the Doom of Valeria, and that's where he got the horn. But he also mentioned he sailed as far as Ashai. Um, it would be interesting hmm. if he is kind of like their navigator, if they do this, you know, Danny goes east to get the west kind of theory. Um, but I don't, I just don't see. Of course, I, you know, Dario was also a big arrogant prick, and he hit the knees pretty hard when she comes walking out of that flaming hut. So, yeah. I mean, Danny's got a way <laughs> of uh, winning people over. Um, okay. Here is some combined Stoneheart, Debrian, in the Riverlands, Blackfish theories and speculation. Luke B said Brian is now going through the River Run or going to River Run through the Riverlands, and with the Blackfish having taken the castle, I think it's safe to say Jamie at this point will be following his book plot at some point this season or next to go take it back. Hmm. One of the underrated moments in the show is him taking the Riverlands, which would give Jamie and I uh, a motivation to go ride forth to reconquer it, which we kind of talked about speculating last last episode about mm-hmm. the... Do you, I, mean, like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had like the grand book unification theory of how to get everyone out of King's Landing and make the throne vulnerable. Yeah. 
Uh, the Double Ds have seemingly managed to, un- to maneuver both Brienne and Jamie back to their plot in the books. Does this greatly raise the chances of getting a Lady Stoneheart appearance in the show? I'm thinking, yes, let's keep zombie cat hype alive. Yeah. So the the little detail that maybe Littlefinger didn't mention is that your undead mother is the one who helped your un- your great uncle take over River Run <laughs> with the help of the Brotherhood without uh, banners, right. et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of an exciting possibility. Yeah, and what what does? I mean, I guess still my question would be, what is Littlefinger playing at? Well, there's by some, sending sounds of that way. There's some pretty cool theory and speculation about that. I kind of like the fact that Lady Stoneheart is just fucking around at the Brotherhood as outlaws and bandits, mm-hmm. and that so in the books there is a big um, moment of truth where Brienne has to choose. Uh, Lady Stoneheart's threatening to hang her and Podrick, and she has to choose between getting hung. Or killing Jamie, and it'd be interesting if they capture her in route. And Stoneheart, through private intelligence, has learned that Jamie's riding forth, and she knows that Brienne has a relationship with him. She says, "Like you can go and you know put this down right here, and just go right up and kill Jamie, or I'll hang you." That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about this a while ago. Uh, the Gravedigger theory. Where the hell is the Quiet Isle? Ah, well, let me let me get that's right on, in the same area. Yeah, let me get right on to Ali Anderson. Said I basically failed geography in high school, and I'm having trouble with the Game of Thrones map. But any chance or possible reason for Brienne to make a quick stop at the Quiet Isles on her way to or back from River Run? I'm not sure what she could accomplish there except to reintroduce the Hound. But I'm one thousand percent for the. So here's the hoping. So they're in the same neighborhood. The river river run is quite a bit. I mean, you're, you're talking about the narrow part of the peanut. You're, you're, yeah. It's not quite the the neck, but it's a little bit south of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the crossroads of Westeros, but it's a little bit um, to the east and north of the Quiet Isles. But it's certainly like as far as the show's purposes go, close enough that I if that happens. I'm not going to kick up a fuss, right? Now, I don't, you know, again, like, if I'm being a geographer, I'd be like, well, I don't know why she would go, this is significantly out of her way, but maybe it's on the way back. I I don't know, but that seems likely. The other exciting possibility is, oh, wait, wait a second, let me, let this, this is Nicole S.'s email. In your Tuesday podcast, you discussed time travel and warging and affecting your past self. You said that if Bran hadn't fallen, he wouldn't be able to warg, and then the story would not be unfolding as it is now. But do we remember correctly that Blind Arya also had dreams about her being her dire wolf? Would you consider that that she too was warging into Nymeria, her wolf? Do you think that means one has to have a disability to be able to warg? What's the deal then with the wildlings who can do it? Just want to know your thoughts. Um, so, yes. In the books, like I've discussed before, it's arguable that all of the Starks, except for maybe Sansa had some sort of wolf dreams and mm-hmm. were able to warg in some limited fashion into their wolves. It's just a brand through his disability had the most time that he was a asleep in a coma. So he could explore that ability. Yeah. And therefore he seems to be the strongest one, but literally everyone like Arya gets struck blind. Uh, I can't remember when John does it, but I do know that there are hints. Um, but anyway, I don't think you have to have a disability. It's just that that's one of the things that people in the North, North of the wall, um, are on the lookout for. It's kind of like, you know, mutants in the Marvel con- continuity. Um, speak, you know, since we're going to see the X-Men tonight. Um, 
you know, if you're a mutant and you're another mutant finds you and guides you on how to use your powers, you're a lot better off than if you just suddenly, oh, God, I can touch people and make them die. Right. So Bran is kind of in that category. He doesn't know what the hell this is. He doesn't know why it's working. He's untrained in its powers, whereas the people in the north, you know, skin, you know, skin changers and wargs kind of look out for their own and find them and kind of take them under and mentor and, uh, and apprentice them. So I don't think you have to have a disability. It's just that gives you an excuse to hone your craft. And, like, you know, you, you lose one sense, so this other sense that is maybe this, like, little tickle in the back of your brain you pay more attention to. Uh, the other thing about Brienne traipsing through the Riverlands is in the books and in the show, Nymeria was let loose there. And in the books, there's hints that she has amassed, this direwolf Nymeria has amassed this army of wolves. They're going around tearing up bandits, and they actually... <laughs> Namiri is the one that drags Cat out of the river, which okay. allows the Brotherhood Without Banners to find her, which allows um, uh, Beric Dondarrion to give her the breath of life, and then she pops back alive, and she takes over the, 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 the outlaw band. So... What if we did, like, a flashback hmm. to the Red Wedding? Explain. Uh, where they dump the body. Oh, sure. And we see that yeah. actually happen. You totally could do that. I don't know how you communicate that in the show, although... You show the end of the red, like, the very end of the Red Wedding again, like, just a very small piece of it. Or you could throw them, you know, slitting cats, throwing it into the river, you could see the body float down. Like, yeah, they do seem to handle time changes, like, you know, Cersei's going back and meeting the witch in the woods. They do seem to handle that fairly deftly, so that's something they could do. But it's got to be now that these are literally the only two wolves left. Nymeria has to be important in some way. You'd think so. So, unless, you know, she's just a dangling plot direwolf. Topics involving the Three-Eyed Raven. God, why do I keep doing that? The Three-Eyed Raven, not the Third-Eyed. Although he does indeed have a third eye. Uh, Brandon Hodor. But it's blind. But it's blind. That's the irony. That's the only reason he can warg. That third eye is blind. Right. Uh, Max, so if the three-eyed raven is dead, how the hell are we going to figure out Jon Snow's mother? I mean, that's a question well, we can't so, really answer yet, right? I think I think what's happened here is there's been a transfer of actual powers. Like, because Bran is not touching the tree after this, after old tree guy eats it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- three-eyed raven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that... When he says you, it's time for you to become me. He's transferring him some abilities, mm-hmm. so now he can do the things that Three Eyed Raven can do. So he's back. He in the could same... go back to those places and see things. Yes, and, and he's curious about the Tower of Joy. He wants to know what's up there. So that might be the first place he goes back to. Mm. Okay. Um, I apologize. There's actually a storm hitting us right now, so I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but. Yeah. Whatever, it's going to give you a dark and mysterious. We're in the shadowlands of a shy studio. Um, yes, I think that that's a, that's a likely theory. That he's got all this power, but now he's back in the same boat of not having anyone to guide him in his tutelage. And that's why I've wondered if there's going to be like an Obi-Wan Kenobi thing where he's, we, I've now, we're now got a, third eye, a three-eye raven ghost that's going to right, guide him. He, he says you're not ready. Um, but if you have these powers thrust upon you, then you can experiment with them at least, right? Like, sure. Maybe and, he doesn't maybe need... make a uh, maybe make a king go crazy. Exactly. Maybe That's make what a I prince mean. Uh, leave his wife and impregnate another. Like, who knows? Yeah, because yeah. before it was to, it was clear to me that he did not actually have the power to to go back to these places in the same way that the third the three eye raven did. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then after the fact he certainly could because he he stayed with Hodor that entire mm. time, right? Even yeah. though the the three eyed raven was dead. Is it so possible? now he's doing it of his own free will. Is it possible that the three eyed raven would warg into cold hands, which is explanation for why hmm. like, you know, like you, you come to appreciate that this is the spirit of him. Because there's precedent for that in the books. Um in the prologue for Dance of Dragons and Epilogue, it's about the skin changer who uh tries to violently take like when he's dying, he tries to violently take over another person's body. Mm-hmm. He's not powerful enough to do it, so he ends up jumping into a wolf. But that the possibility of someone, and then late later in the book, of course, Bran Jackson, the Hodor, so we know it's possible if you're sufficiently powerful. Presumably, the the the, yeah. the third, the three, god damn it, the three eye raven, probably at least I don't know if he's more powerful than Bran. Like kind of like is Anakin more powerful than Yoda? Certainly more practiced. I'd he's say. certainly <laughs> exactly. Even if he doesn't have as much power, he's got a lot more skill at wielding it. So yeah. I wonder if he would be able to do that. Maybe. Which might... You Especially know, into a white, which maybe can't fight him off in the same way that a human could. Kind of an empty could. vessel, sure. Yeah. Sure. Somewhat. Okay. So this is the point in the podcast where I tell you how you can support Bald Move and keep us making these three podcasts a week on Game of Thrones and, uh, you know, help us stay independent. Because re- the only reason we have this time, because people are like, you know, this takes obviously a lot of time. Yeah. Because this is what we do for our jobs. Uh, so that gives us a lot of freedom. But the only reason we had that freedom is because people pay for it some one way or another. You got ads, you got all, all different kinds of stuff. But uh, if you don't like ads and you want extra content and you want to get the podcast as fast as ever you can, you can sign up for our club at club.baldmove.com. Uh, there's tons of extra features, and we're going to be talking about those in the weeks to come because we got a couple few special surprises we got for the the Game of Thrones fans in particular. Um, but for as little as a buck a month, you get ad free feeds, you get our entire archives. That's another thing people have been asking, like, where can I get all your past podcasts? Well, during the season, you can really only get like this season and a little bit of the previous one because iTunes only holds so much, but, uh, our, our, our premium feeds have the entire archive. So that's a nice feature. Uh, also, if you don't want to commit to paying a buck a month to support us, uh, if you are a shopper on Amazon, you can go to amazon.baldmove.com and anything you buy when you are on that session, we get a teeny tiny cut of. And it adds up to uh, a decent amount of funding too. So again, if you just want to be more of a sellsword and less of a Bald Move loyalist, there's always the amazon.baldmove.com option. And uh, either way, you decide to support us, we do appreciate your support. Also, uh, just one final reminder, this is the last weekend to get the Dead-Eyed Lannister sunglasses. If you go to baldmove.com slash shop and click on the merch button, you can see Jim modeling a pair. And, uh, you know, they're like they're essentially goofy, gold-plated novelty sunglasses that make you look like you got stones on your eyes. <laughs> right. They're 10 bucks. If that seems like something you want to do for Halloween or cosplaying or just freaking people out, mm-hmm. uh, check it out. Because this is the last weekend we're selling them for the foreseeable future. You know, we've got bands wearing them. Uh, maybe you're going to start a career as as Young Griff, drop an album called Fake Targaryen. Who knows? Dead Sign up Lannisters. for band camp. Get... <laughs> Dead Lannisters is a sweet band name, I think. That's pretty good. Yeah. Imagine those stones on like a drum, you know, like a set of drums. Dead Lannisters. Oh, yeah. And it's in a Game of Thrones font, and there's blood dripping down from it. There you go. There's a YouTube idea for you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the drummer can wear like a helmet that only shows his eyes. He's not he's technically a Lannister, but he's a Lannister man, that in Gregor. Spirit. 
Uh, but yeah, it's last weekend. We're shutting the shit down Sunday night. So get on while the getting's good if that's something you're interested in. Uh, and yeah, there you go. Uh, Mika, okay, so if we were to assume the R plus L equals J mm-hmm. is true, whatever happened to the Targaryen genes? John has that black hair and eyes that are virtually no Targaryen, uh, and there's virtually no Targaryen phenotype. Is it magic, or did the blonde hair, blue eyes thing genes get crushed by the genetic on the genetic battlefield by the Stark genes? Yep. This does not make sense to me. I'd expect John to have a mix of the dark and light genes from his supposed parents. Well, it doesn't always work out like you'd expect with genes. And that's the thing. That's what drives me crazy about the seed is strong. Like that's not how no, genetics it's not about work, it's, man. Yeah. So it's like, did was Ned and John Aaron right, but for the wrong reasons? Hmm. Or I because like the thing like that's the all of Robert's kids had brown black hair. Mm-hmm. And, and but, you look at the Lannisters, and they all have they blonde, all have hair, blonde hair, and the Targaryens have the silver hair. But you know, it doesn't which, have to work out that way. Rhaegar certainly was known for his his silver blonde hair and his purple eyes. So. Why did the Starks one up them? I look at uh, Yara. She doesn't have the same color hair as her father. Well, right? that's like the show, which is even like Jamie's not even really fucking blonde. Yeah, so kind of dirty, I, dirty blonde I, at best. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, and I, I don't know. Like I, it's weird because that was such a plot point in the first book in the first season, and yet to believe R plus L equals J, you have to forget about it. Right. Hmm. Okay. I mean, like I said, I outlined That's several fair. ways you can forget about it, but I do feel like it fucks with people, and there's going to be a probably avalanche of like, well, why doesn't he have blonde hair, blue eyes, or whatever when we when we're coming maybe up. when he quenches Lightbringer, his hair will turn blonde. Well, here's the thing: the, <laughs> the other thing that confuses the Baratheons are j- descendants of the Targaryens. Oh, OG Targaryens, which is why the okay. Robert ended up sitting on the throne because he had the closest blood ties to Targaryen. Tar- 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 <laughs> to the Targaryens left after the rebellion. Yeah, so, he's not blonde. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, so what the fuck, man? Like, yeah. seed is strong. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, uh, but that's that's the best answer I can give you. Just you know, try try. Like I told someone else in email today, just try to drink more on Sunday nights. <laughs> just just uh, up your up your drink intake. It all makes sense. Glenn P says, I keep hearing about John becoming a king and that he's a Targaryen, but when and if R plus L equals J comes to fruition, he's still a bastard, isn't he? Can he still be king? Would that make him a Blackfire Targaryen? That's true. Like, even if even if you assume that Rhaegar and Lyanna was in a consensual relationship, he's already married... Targaryens did have multiple wives, but I really don't understand how... Like, does that mean that all of their children would be in line for the throne? You got me. I don't know. Uh, me either. So, I really don't... I mean, my my guess would be he's still a bastard, but there's definite precedence for bastards to be legitimized and for bastards to sit on the throne or at least try to take over the throne. Um, and again, as we always mention, that you've got... The laws of secession, and then you got might makes right. Right. So there's a rebellion for a reason. Like, and, and that's like, you know, what Varys is trying to tell Tyrion. Like, who really has the power? Is it the sellsword? Is it the rich merchant? Or is it the priest? Yeah. It's like, it really depends on, you know, the power is where people think it resides. So mm-hmm. if he's got the whole north behind him, and he's got, you know, his bro- brother is super warg, and maybe a dragon bride, who's going to say no? <laughs> 
Lexi WK said, I'm a recent listener to your podcast. I've been puzzling over something from the door. Maybe I'll get lucky and you two can enlighten me on the podcast or perhaps been mystified together. The question is, why is Bran unaffected by Summer's death? To explain what I mean specifically, it's well established in the books that a warg and the creature he wargs into have a sort of blended consciousness. Part of the man remains in a wolf and part of the wolf remains in a man. We've seen plenty of instances where wargs, a warg's wargee is hurt or killed, and the warg uh, is in agony. I would assume that Bran would have to be a particularly strong bond uh, with his warg with Summer. He isn't a strange animal Bran chose a warg into for convenience. They grew up together and love each other. In the books, at least, Bran also wargs almost exclusively into Summer. In other words, Bran and his wolf should have a very strong link forged between their minds. Yet when Summer is killed, Bran is pulling off one of the greatest feats of Greenseer power we've ever seen, seemingly unaware of Summer's fate. Can we come up with a better explanation for this than just convenience? I hope so, but I can't think of anything other than Bran being, quote-unquote, too deep in his vision warging. Still, he clearly isn't too deep to hear Mira, so this doesn't hold up for me. Do you have any thoughts? I I went in my, in my mind with the he's too deep in his vision because he's being attacked by zombies and ice monsters and he's not responding. I mean, is there like this you know voices crying out sort of thing between wolves and and their war masters like i know i know like the danger exists when you're actually presently warged into mm-hmm. like the wolf but i was unaware that there was any kind of further connection i think that you're that. i think you're actually to the right of it because summer sustains an injury in the books where he's got a noticeable limp in the last stretch to uh, uh, to the cave, and it's not like Bran. Of course, Bran's paralyzed. Maybe this is a bad example. He can't feel it anyway. But they never mention. Maybe they mention when Bran's actively warging the summer, but it's not like that's causing him a constant pain. I don't recall. And there's other instances where, like she mentions, I think it's with the uh, whatever the fuck's name is that had the eagle, where the eagle gets injured and he can feel it, but he's also warging into the eagle at the time. So I think you might be right that, yes, there's a strong bond and an affinity, but it's not like a constant psychic connection. That's That was my understanding, but I like I don't know that much like about the books, certainly. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, it seems like it's plausible to me that you have to have okay. the act of warg to be, be able to feel all that stuff. And certainly in that moment, he was not warged into Summer. Summer was just protecting him out of right. the... the, the agape bonds yeah and there's also some subtleties in there like they mentioned that um you know part of the part of the man remains in the wolf part of wolf remains in a man i think that's during the warg and then they mentioned with the one guy who wargs into the wolf to, to cheat death um that people say that eventually your man mind will dwindle to the point where it's kind of like yeah, you don't really have control of your wolf anymore. You might not even have full consciousness. You just have this like ghostly imprint in this animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's all kind of relatively new science because if I'm remembering correctly, Summer meets the that wolf that has this guy inside of him and kicks his ass. And the guy, well, of course, this was only a few days or weeks after he jacked the body in the first place. I don't know how long that process takes. Also, uh, Bran is under the grip of the Three-Eyed Raven at that point, too, right? When Summer dies? I would. Th- well, what do you mean by that? Like, he's being guided? Well, yeah, I mean, he's pulled in. It's it's clear that 
he's not like, all right, let's do this thing. Transfer your units to me. Can guide him and pull him out of visions. So maybe he doesn't have full control over what he's seeing and feeling. And the Thread Raven pulls him into that vision. Like, he doesn't ask him, like, uh, okay, let's do this thing. Now, Worgen, he's just like, it's time for you to become me. Boom. Yeah. We're doing this. So does that mean that he that the three-eyed ra- that he could hear Mira because the three-eyed raven wanted him to hear Mira? Possibly. And Summer was inconsequential? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with different avenues for this to be And it could be, like, this correct, is something that they but... might do in the books, uh, and they just decide to skip for expediency because they want to hit the main beats. In Maybe. The, like, you know, what would be the effect of Bran screaming in agony for 30 seconds in this particular right. instance? It's more about there's a lot. There's a lot of shit going on, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Sorry. I hope we didn't disappoint you too bad there, uh, Lexi. Uh, John P. said, doesn't the fact that the children of the forest turned the Night's King and the White Walkers, assuming that the Night's King, that was the Night's King that they were driving their spear into, which turns out to be, they cast the same guy. I think we're supposed to understand it's the same guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doesn't that contradict what Old Nan says in the books about how he became a White Walker? The legend is supposedly that he fell in love with one of the others and subsequently turned into one, right? Uh, Going along with this, Eric L. says, I... Really enjoyed the episode and the pacing so far this season. One thing that's been bothering me, though, since my first watch of the episode is the White Walker creation angle. Correct me if I'm wrong, but an impression of the others until now, based on information from the books and the show, was that they were a distinct race of an unknown origin who were in some way tied to the Great Other, a deity who is the opposite and enemy of R'hllor, the Fire God. If so, how does this work out that they were instead created by the Children of the Forest as a weapon? Do the children worship the Great Other, or the Double Ds remixing the Others in the show universe? Does the Great Other even exist? I feel like they lose some of their mystery and menace if they are simply created as a race of icy soldiers meant to serve the children, but instead went rogue. Um, so, basically people are saying, I don't like this because it contradicts what we've known or been said to know about the White Walkers in the books. To which I respond, who are you going to believe? Leaf? Or some crazy old woman who wet nurse Bran. Okay. Like, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe 8,000 years of collected myth and legend that men have been telling each other? Or are you going to believe someone who is actually yeah. there? Like, this is essentially, you've been told this lie your whole life. This is what's really happening. This is mm-hmm. Morpheus showing Neo the fields of bodies. And, right. you know, the fact that he's been a copper top his whole life. So it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you talk about legend and lore and things like that, I yeah. I automatically put a grain of salt in there. Sure. And say, well, this is what people believe, but it doesn't necessarily have to be true. Uh, and and you know the it, it gets spun via the telephone game over thousands yeah. of years. It gets spun maybe intentionally. Who knows? Yeah. So. And as far as this contradicting with the great, uh, I mean, this. So that's even more complicated because you've essentially got the priestess of her religion explaining her take on her god and the metaphysics of it. Like, that doesn't necessarily hmm. make it true, though, right? Like, okay. there is a supernatural force. This is the song of ice and fire. There's a lot of dualities there. You can have a single force that has both a light and dark side if you want to go to Star Wars. It's got shadow and fire. Um, and that there isn't a god or Satan. There's just the one supernatural force that has positive and negative aspects to it that people have been described to good and bad right so like ask melisandre about the lord of light exactly <laughs> and who's the prince's promise you'd get three different answers so far right i think that 
So to me, the children, I, I actually think it's more interesting, the fact that the children created these as like a weapon, kind of like a nuclear bomb, and it just kind of got away from them. I think that's a, an interesting concept. And however you want to go with it, yeah, it's canon now, right? right. I mean, that's fact. We right. watched it happen. So right. throw your lore and your legend out the window because this is it. But, but I don't think it's George cheating us. He's just right, presenting right. this as this real lived-in world, and this is what people think. Yeah. They were just wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming that. I mean, here's the here. Let me ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, how surprised would you be if this is not how the White Walkers are created in the books? Uh, hugely surprised. This is like a nine point nine yeah, for I mean, me because, like, this seems like there. You might fudge other things about who's going to war with who and what, but like, if you fuck up the creation of the the arch nemesis and the of the show and the books, I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, it would surprise me. Um, but I'm going to let uh, Eric here continue. He says, The other problem is based on info from the World of Ice and Fire. Germ lays out the timeline for the conflict between the First Men and the Children of the Forest in that book and goes on to indicate that the Long Night and the battle with the others takes place long after. After the pact between the two sides in the Age of Heroes. This seems to contradict the idea that the Children created them to help them during their far earlier conflict with the First Men. Hmm. I don't necessarily think it does because, again, this is the men's who have very short lifetimes compared to – and they don't have access uh, or benefit of the Weirwood Network to remember these things. This is their account of what happened and trying to explain why the Wall exists, why the Night Watch exists. I mean, hell, the Night's Watch has forgotten what their fucking purpose is by this point. You can't believe them, I think, compared – so to me, they went to war – they then banded. They they then uh, banded together against an even worse threat. Defeated them and made the wall. Is where I think, and that happened roughly eight thousand years ago. Is how I think the timeline works. It's okay. not a huge. It's not like they battled back and forth and then made peace and then thousands of years happened and the White Walkers. Like to me, it's like that's. It's very easy to just shift. You just you just misunderstood when and why they forged a peace. Hmm. You know. Why would the why you know there's there's a couple of instances like you you've apparently read where um, the first thing the children of the forest tried to do to stop the men was they the the, the all those islands the stepping stones that connect kind of loosely um, uh, 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 Dorn and Essos used mm-hmm. to be like a peninsula or yeah. a land bridge and the children of the forest used their magic to shatter that to try to keep men from pouring into the continent. And then another legend shows that in the neck, the reason, like, the middle, the the, the, the the waist of the peanut that's the shape of Westeros, the reason that's so marshy is because the children tried to do that again and flooded it, but they only managed, like, either because they were weaker, because they'd lost half the continent, um, they weren't actually able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, could be that at the end, all they're able to do is manage to, to raise a wall and kind of contain them up north. But this is all stuff that I feel like we're going to get the answers to, maybe even this season. Yeah, maybe. So I did do a little bit of digging for Eric, though, and I the peeps behind the Game of Thrones wiki mm-hmm. wrote to George R. R. Martin, and this is in the So Spake Martin archive, but they asked him whether they should treat the White Walker, referred to as the Night's King, as, um, you know, and, and the ancient Lord Commander in the legend that's also called the Night's King, if they're the same character, or if this is a title that can be held by different characters, like the King in the North. He's also asked if it was significant that the Double Ds referred to him as the Night King without the possessive S. 
And Martin avoided answering the first question, but said he refers to the spelling of the Knight's King. He says, as for the Knight's King, the form I prefer in the books, he's a legendary figure akin to Land the Clever or Brandon the Builder, and no more likely to survive to the present day than they have. Which, hmm. to me, I don't think shuts the door on it, because he's, he's essentially saying he's a legendary figure like these guys and no more likely to survive, but... I don't – that to me, like that tells me that George doesn't intend this guy to be the same one and that might be a simplification that the double Ds have put into the plot. Hmm. Okay. I I mean it could mean that. I just don't have enough information Yeah. to, to say for sure yet. Yeah. But that was that, – that, that hullabaloo came up when we saw the Night's King turn a baby into a White Walker. Right. And I don't know. I – I don't know. To me, like, I'm not seeing this as major plot holes. They're more just like, there might be more to the story, but this is essentially true. And it's certainly more true than what we believed before, which is stuff we got secondhand from a bunch of old, you know, midwives and whatnot. Right. I I think, so I don't know if we've ever seen more than like four of these White Walkers at a time. That's another, I got it. I didn't include this because there's literally nothing to this theory other than, huh, we only see like four of these guys at a time. What's up with that? And we know they've been collecting babies for years and years and presumably turning them all into White Walkers. Sure. Is that something that... We did see, I think, 13 of them during that one ceremony. Oh. It, you know, and when, when we went way north and they, t- they took the baby and turned it into oh, a White Walker. yeah, maybe so. Uh, and I know some people were thinking that maybe there was a significance of that number. So I've, we've seen more of them collected, Is but it, it seems like when they sally forth, they go, do in limited numbers. People are losing their ever-loving shit over the recasting of this Night's King. And we, it, it's, it blows my friggin' mind, but is it possible that that was on purpose? Like, what that's to show that these, these Night Kings, these Night's King guys are not the same person whoa whoa recasting what are you talking about does this guy got recasted yeah, yeah they recast a nice king when i thought it was uh, always this guy i don't know exactly when but no he's two different people huh. played by two different people and you can tell it's like under all the makeup right it's okay it's noticeable but well i guess that's the other thing is i thought that them casting the guy as the actual original victim might have just been them having fun because that's mm-hmm. not part of the show canon like they I mean you know it's the same guy under all that makeup but like I don't think in a meta way you can say ergo they're the same person uh right. that information right. is not in the show sure the only information is a guy who looks kind of like the Night's King after a whole bunch of makeup and thousands of years is the guy that's strapped to the tree but and I think it's that could have just been a nice thing. It's like, hey, you have to wear all this makeup all the time. We're going to let you, you know, be a character just for a moment. You're going to skip makeup today. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can understand why people assume that. I assume that myself. Sure. I don't think it's an unfair totally assumption. Nope. But, yep. um, yeah, maybe maybe the recast was on purpose. Maybe they're trying to say, hey, these aren't the same guy. Christopher C. says, I haven't been able to find any info or theories on this. Especially, uh, the, but the show mentions, especially in earlier seasons, that winters come generationally. Yet it seems that the sh- in the show books are also saying that the White Walkers are the winters or the cause of winter. Wouldn't this mean that every winter is caused by the White Walkers waking up from whatever hibernation? Who has battled them and who has turned them back all the other times between 8,000 years ago and now? It's this this double, double state of winter thing is very confusing. It sure is. <laughs> it could be that that's what 
like the three-eyed raven that's his prime job is like Hmm. it's not just a night's watch they're the last ditch defense but like something that he does beats them back each year yeah maybe um or each whenever segment um and it also could be that uh you know i don't know like maybe uh they they act up and then a guy like craster starts giving them children in desperation and that that seems like something they need to reproduce and maybe that's something like there's a theory that we talked yeah. about like not not you and i but me with the audience talked about two years ago about like alternate theories about the knight's king and like their relationship with men and is this some kind of ancient covenant that we've broken mm-hmm. because we've forgotten it and now they're they're getting rowdy again we simply don't know all the answers but it's exciting that it feels like we're going to get them and again maybe this season yeah uh, Dave L says, is it possible that Hodor knew Hold the Door was coming? He could have seen a vision of it as a young Hodor and always feared that it would arrive. This would explain why he was always whimpering and not wanting to do things. I think that theory is plausible, but completely unverifiable. Right. That there is an echo that he had this vision. Because Jojen in the books, I'm not sure in the show, he mentions that I've seen my death and I know what that it's coming. Mm-hmm. And this was gifted to me in some kind of green seeing dream. So it's plausible to me that Hodor wouldn't see in the future that he was going to die in a cave surrounded by a bunch of scary ice zombies. And this is why he might be afraid to go into, like, you know, the first time he went into the crypts of Winterfell. Or, you know, there's something about that in the book. And it might be why every time, you know, a ruckus started, he got, you know, restless. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but, like, there's no fucking way you can definitely say that that's true. Right. Even if the Double Ds came out next week after the Thrones and said, oh, yes, that's definitely true, I'd still say, whatever, man. <laughs> show it to me. Yeah, you didn't get it in the show, so, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, Colin S. said, every, time, every other time we've seen Bran warg into... Uh, back in time or into Hodor or into Summer, he went milky-eyed. He specifically did not do this Nuilla scene. Are we sure it's Bran who turned... What are they talking about? What are you talking about? He sure as shit did. Not in the dream. Here. No, okay, not in the dream. Are we sure it's Bran who turned Willis into Hodor? We just saw Bran's mentor turn into dust in the wind. He's essentially accusing the three-eyed raven of Hodor and Willis instead of Bran himself. My thought is... Your eyes rolling in the back of your head is a physical response to warging, yes? Why would your eyes roll back in your head in your astral projection of yourself? Right. I Yeah. Neo doesn't have no hair in exactly. his self-projection. He's missing it's, his holes and stuff. And, and if you... Go, I mean, go back to the Tower of Joy. Uh-huh. His eyes don't roll back in his head in the vision, but they do... They they do in the real world. I mean... But he wasn't... I mean, to be fair, in the Tower of Joy, he wasn't trying to warg into his father. The other thing, crucially, is we see the three-eyed raven standing around in this vision dream, and his eyes aren't rolling back, too. So it's like your, right. your own I, damn theory is contradicting yourself yeah. there, Colin. Calling bullshit on the whole thing. Sorry. You're Colin? Colin <laughs> bullshit? Colin bullshit. Uh, all right. Sorry. Uh, sometimes I feel like people get offended that we take a hostile tone, but we're not. We're just... We forget that you're listening and might have your feelings hurt, which... <laughs> Just forget or don't care. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, someone else said, like, you know, you and Jim are surprisingly hostile to each other in the latest episode. And I'm like, really? Like, I call this man fuckface on almost a daily basis, <laughs> and he does the same or worse to me. Like, we've been yeah. around each other long enough that, like, that stuff just rolls off our backs like water on a duck. 
sure. whatever this story is. Colin is not, though. Colin is Colin, probably balled up like Willis. Colin. Weeping you, in a corner right now. You, um. You I, fuck face. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I apologize. Oh, I thought you were going a different direction with that one. That's, that's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole anti-dry pie contingent now. Okay. Several people don't like it. Like, they think it's, um. Thing is demeaning. Like we're making fun of the listener, and like the whole reason we no, started dry no. pie is so I could uh. mention their name that had the idea that you stepped on because you don't compile right. the feedback and you don't know what points I want to bring up and not. So it's like mention their name and give them credit for their clever theory that Jim <laughs> strangled a dry pie. It wasn't like we're making fun of you. It's like I'm trying to find a way to give you credit without reading the fucking email that we've already hashed out earlier in the podcast. Yeah. So there you go, people. But like, Colin, just, you're just wrong. You're just, just flat out wrong. We're just a bunch of rough and tumble <laughs> dudes, man. That's 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 it. And Colin, sure. yes, also fuckface. You you, you you did it wrong. It's a bad theory, Colin. And we're mostly drunk during this thing. So and, and by this late in the week yeah. in the day, shit, shit, yeah. Random. Wait, see, I read a subheading <laughs> instead of a person's name. Random P writes in a Roger P writes in this. So this is like this is the catch all. This has nothing to do with the other themes. We're just going to talk about stuff. All Roger right. P says, do we know for certain that Leanne is dead? Is it not possible that Leanne actually did not die in the tower and left Westeros? Could it be that Ned covered up her fake death and that she was buried at Winterfell? And that's the thing that she had him promised to do to not reveal her secret. Holy shit. Here we go. Ned buried who? Uh, his sister, Leanna. She's not dead. She's just hiding. She's pining for the fjords. Here's the the wonderful world in the dark hole, which is people didn't die and they're actually someone else. Oh, the boy. The world of A Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. Uh, because I have actually heard this theory espoused, and it seems like the popular piece, people for her to uh, pretend to be is Ashara Dane, which I think I is the wife is. of Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning, who had the fancy sword that Ned killed. Okay. Um, the story goes with her is that Ned, out of respect for Arthur, rode back and delivered Dawn, their ancestral great blade or great sword, uh, to Ashara to say like, "Hey, you know, uh, here's your sword back. Sorry for killing your husband." And that the rumor is shortly after she killed, she she committed suicide. There's also a theory that says Ashara Dane is the Septa Lamore character. Um, who we encounter before we know that Aegon was fake Aegon, he was going around under the ter- the the name Young Griff, and he fell in. Um, it's his stage name. Yeah, it's a stage name. <laughs> when he was hiding out because he's a uh, you know essentially a wanted Targaryen, uh, him and Tyrion cross paths when they're going down the river. They remix this with Jorah's scene, like Jorah was never at the river. Tyrion did fall in, but it was this Griff, uh, this this John Connington that got the grayscale, not. Jorah, which is kind of the bizarre blending of the stories. Hmm. Uh, so the story is this guy's being trained from a very young boy to be the ideal king. And part of his training is he has this septa that teaches him about the faith of the seven. And she's described as like the strikingly beautiful older woman that Tyrion kind of pervs on while she's naked and, and taking baths in the river and whatnot. But she kind of loosely matches the description of this Ashara Dane, who's also a strikingly beautiful woman. Uh, and probably the right age to be it, but, you know, why is she off-trained? Why did she become a Septon? Why is she trained? Like, there's not a lot of good answers for these theories, but it could be that, uh, I suppose Leanna is a Shara Dane or Septa Lamore. 
Uh, he continues, Roger does. It's This is all a possibility. My theory is that Leanne is still alive and is the woman who Ari has been issued to kill by the mini-faced god. With the question mark surrounding Bran and where the hell he has been all this time, who better to reveal who John is and possibly Mira... Or John and possibly Mira's mother is then Leanna herself, which this is getting off in the weeds with Mira being John's twin sister, which is a Preston Jacobs thing, which I've already talked about how I'm not a fan of. <laughs> but um, I had an idea that Tyrion talked about his first wife, you know, the one that he truly loved and the one that it turns out was a cruel joke played on him by his brother. Um in the books, it's revealed, Jamie revealed in, in the cell that before before he let Tyrion go, that that wasn't a joke. That she truly did love you. My father didn't want you, fu- our father didn't want you fucking with a baseborn woman. So he pay, he told me to tell you this is a whore I hired. And then all the Lannister men kind of raped her in front of you. And But no, she seriously loved you, and she was like, really your wife, dude. And this is what Jesus. made Tyrion decide to kill Tywin and is also really pissed at, at Jamie as well. Okay. So there are characters, this is probably not going to su- surprise you, but there are characters in the books that a lot of people are trying to figure out who, if it's Taisha or not. And mm-hmm. there's in particular a character that we meet in Arya. No, no, no. Actually, this is Sam. Uh, Sam's, uh, when, what, what the hell, where the hell is Sam? How does he end up in Bravos? He's on I can't a ship remember. to, old town right now um but they run in they they somehow again the books get to bravos and they meet this woman called the sailor's wife who is a prostitute in uh she works at the happy port brothel and she's got this character quirk that she insists on oliver johns marrying her they have a marriage ceremony before she takes their money and they have (laughs) sex with her okay and she has a 14 year old daughter named lana which could be a Short, you see Jim's head just bowing and shaking. She has a 14 year old daughter named Lana, which is approximately how old a daughter of Tyrion and her would be. And people are thinking that this is, uh, this is, this is Tysha, primarily because Tywin, um, Tyrion demands to know what became of this woman after you know Tywin had her brutally mass raped and dismissed from service. And Tywin says, I don't know wherever whores go. So throughout the books, Tyrion's wondering what that means. Like, if that's, you know, it's kind of dumb because I don't think Tywin, that was a serious answer. It was kind of like, I don't give a shit. Why would I care? Um, But if you want to go with a theory, um, I would say that maybe it would be kind of cool if Arya, this this woman that she's tried to kill is actually Tyrion's ex-wife. Okay. But I'm saying that, like, I don't even know that's cool. Like, some of this stuff is is too kooky for me, man. I yeah, I just don't think the show cares about that. Like, yeah. they did they did the same thing effectually in another way. But they do sometimes wink at the view the viewer, like the book readers specifically. They sometimes do things just to kind of like, yeah, yeah, we've read the books too. So they would not like explicitly say this is Tyrion's wife, but they could give us enough details that the book readers would know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it doesn't seem important to Tyrion's plot anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's almost entirely absent. Yeah, it was uh, it was all about the betrayal of Shay, which honestly, and it, that's a lot kind of it of was transferred onto her. Yeah, and that's kind of a and that's that's the essence of Martin's razor. Like, if you've got two or three characters that are all reinforcing the same theme, yeah, why not just have one roll them all together? Mm-hmm. Um, but I am curious about why. You know, there is something to 
Arya's observations of this woman, her reluctance to just kill her without any kind of questions. There is something there, and I'm not sure what. Sure. Um, Steve says, regarding Jorah, we already know there is a cure in the books. What about being stone is valuable, if anything? It could be impervious to fire and ice? If there was a cure, could it be used to cure the people stuck in the ruins they passed through, some of whom might be Targaryen, literally waking dragons from stone? Mm. Um, okay, so I think the arm he's talking about is Victarion, which we've talked about. He got an infected wound on his arm, and on the way to to marrying Danny or retrieving him from her brother, he meets a red priest that's been shipwrecked. And the red priest offers to cure him, and the cure is essentially to turn his arm into, like, molten rock. He's got, like, a Hellboy, Sweet. right hand of doom kind of thing going on, which hasn't, which is kind of, so far has just been cool. It hasn't actually shown to have any in, in power, to my knowledge. Um, so people are wondering if they're going to remix that theory and Jorah's going to get his arm cured by turning into, like, you know, a big smoking arm guy. Mm-hmm. Which, again, what what practical application does that have? Uh, but one practical application, if you could cure Dragonstone in Moss, is that would be yet another army that Danny has that she could control. Like if, yeah, if yeah. Jorah is somehow able to cure these people, especially their minds, but they have now, I don't think dragon scale is fireproof because Shireen is half infected and she burnt up like a trick. Right. No problem. Yeah. House on fire. But, but that whatever like a treat, I should say a treat, a trick is something entirely different. <laughs> whatever. Uh, I guess cure. It's not. It's not quite a cure that Shireen got, but she she got something that stopped the spread of it. Now, did it? It must have also stopped the infectiousness of it, right? Yeah, like you could probably touch her face and be fine. Oh, I mean, people did. They did. Okay. Like even like Stannis, I couldn't recall I think, an instance. Pushed his but... face up against her in 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 some of his touching moments. <laughs> Just You're pressed going to burn. faces together, huh? Burn. No, yeah. Um. <laughs> so I, as far as then, like. The thing I don't get is, like, I don't know that these stone men are, like, an enclave of Targaryens. Okay. It's a bunch of people who've been sent that way, right? Yeah, it's kind of like when a they got infected. Colony. Yeah. So, I guess there Some could of be which Tar- might be. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess that would be interesting if they're... Because there's a lot of, especially Blackfire Targaryens that are rent, running here, there, and everywhere in Essos and founding sword companies, doing a bunch of other cool stuff. So, hmm. maybe that would be a way to get one of these characters... Uh, introduced into the series but like the thing is like all the modern targaryens don't like they'll don't really have any knowledge of dragon lore they don't have anything they can really do to help danny so like i don't know i i'm not sure what that would actually mean i mean to me i always thought waking dragons from stone is an allusion to danny and her petrified dragon eggs and maybe there'll be a greater fulfillment with the the dragons of Dragonstone. It seems like if they were going to do the Red Priestess thing, well, they've got a Red Priestess now. Yeah. Uh, they've got oh, Tyrion true. who might know a thing or two. That's seems true. like all the elements are just back in Marine. Yeah. Why isn't she taken back there and try and cure it? But uh, Devin In says, I'm curious. Nobody's mentioned the only cured Grayskull we've ever seen, which is Shireen. So apparently Maesters have some sort of cure, but specifically the Maesters of Dragonstone or Storm's End, whatever slab was uh, at that specific time, uh, it's Dragonstone. There is an interest. This is interesting because this is where Aegon Targaryen and the Griffin's Roost guy was invading the books. Is there a possible connection to be made? Well, so in the books, they land at John Connington's tower, Griffin's Roost, which is in the Stormlands 
which is close to the seat of House Baratheon, Storm's Inn, which they're planning on sieging and Greenstone, but that's all a bit to the south of King's Landing and Dragonstone. So, my so hmm. Stannis said in this series that they hired maesters and they had magicians and priests. And like they, he yeah. didn't say like any one thing. It's and and he didn't name any one cure. Also, the maester that lived the Dragonstone is dead. Stannis burnt him to death uh, before he set sail to conquer Westeros. So I don't know that there's anybody at Dragonstone that can help with anybody. Um, so that's why I think that 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 Shireen is kind of a dead end. Mm-hmm. Who else would know? Like Stannis is dead. His wife Selyse is dead. Shireen is dead. The Maester's dead. Who the fuck would? Is there any kind of knowledge? His whole camp was massacred. Right. Who would know about the cure unless it's the red the red priest or priestesses can do it, which Melisandre would know. Sure. Uh, we've also talked about you know the possibility of uh, Jorah heading to Old Town, heading yep. heading to the Citadel. Maybe they have that knowledge. Maybe the Maester sent that back. Or exploring in uh, Old Valeria where the Stone Men are living, like doing some investigating yeah. there. Going, uh, some people suggested in the email that he might go to a shy and uncover some secrets there. Hmm. Um. I mean, I, people are just guessing at that point, though. Yeah, I think we all are. Yeah. All right, John E. said, When Aaron asked why Littlefinger would knowingly hand over Sansa to sadistic Ramsay if he still had some sort of feelings with her, I came up with a possible motive. Littlefinger has possibly ferreted out over the last 17 years that R plus L equals J, and he thinks Jon Snow has the best claim to the Iron Throne, being the heir to the last heir of the throne. Now he's starting his end game, getting Jon Snow to break his Night's Watch vows and move onto the chessboard. Sansa in the hands of a sadist hmm. was an attempt to make that happen. His plan went a little pear-shaped, but it's possibly helped to get Jon on the board. Okay. What do you make of the fact that Littlefinger might be trying to ingratiate himself to Sansa and Jon because he knows Jon's got the true claim to the throne and he wants to be there to be the hand or the power behind the power or whatever? I suppose it's possible. Now, is he... Because the other thing is it makes the scene where he was explaining these things to Sansa in the crypt of Winterfell, and he kind of gave her a wry response when she goes, yeah, Prince Rhaegar carried off my aunt and raped her. He's right. like, yeah, not so sure about that. Uh huh. Yeah, he, he could possibly know. Um, I, I think it's a dangerous game still that he's playing if he wants Jon to come rescue her, because then... Sansa still got the same thing, right? Like you yeah. are either stupid or my enemy. You put me here. Well, and she's gonna tell that to John certainly. So a couple other things I want to talk to you about. Uh, <laughs> first is you could have the anti theory to this, which is Littlefinger knows that John has got the best claim to the throne and is trying to eliminate him. <laughs> If he's safe in the Night's Watch, uh-huh. he can't really be touched. But if you get him out adventuring, then you can find a way to make sure he dies and stays dead this time. So you've eliminated... I mean, what is Littlefinger trying to do? Like, sit on the Iron Throne, it seems increasingly clear, yes? I... Right. Power is his end game, and it seems like that's the most powerful he could be. So, sure. Yeah. Like, in a way that Varys, I, don't, I never suspected him to plot to sit on the Iron Throne because yeah. he's a eunuch, and it seems like... He's all for the realm, or he wants to support other people's claims. But Littlefinger, it seems crazy that he thinks he can get there. But uh-huh. if he does, eliminate, like finding out this inside information and eliminating those threats would be a great way to 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 make sure he won't have any powerful rivals left. Like mm-hmm. he's just going to bleed the land dry of every major lord or anyone with a title or anyone with an army, and then he's going to swoop in with his forces personally loyal to him. Could be. 
and, and make everyone think that he's doing like I, I was the last thing I wanted. But if I'm called upon to serve, I'll be happy to answer the bell. Right. There is a um, interview with Aiden. What's his, What's the guy's name that plays Littlefinger? I don't know. And Mayor Corsetti. Uh-huh. Uh, he, there's an interview with him in a magazine where he claims that that performance by Littlefinger was just on the up and up. Like, he didn't know that Ramsey was that big of a maniac. Hmm. And he does regret that Sansa got hurt. And he's trying to give her this information as a way to, you know, get back into her good graces. My response to that is, I don't believe a goddamn thing any actor or actress tells me about their character's <laughs> motivations that's not on the screen. Uh-huh. Like, Jon Snow insisted that he was dead. Yeah. Which is true in an Obi-Wan sense of the word, but he was also backed by episode two. So, yeah. fuck you, Kit Harrington. Like, I see this all the time where people talk about their merit motivations, and they essentially, like, they, they indulge in fan fiction as much as anybody. Like, I was at mm-hmm. a, you know, I've been to conventions and interviewing folks and they're spinning all these stories about what's going on behind their character's eyes that's motivation for their performance but that's not gospel no it's not not it's not the narrative that's exactly true uh the narrative is constructed by the writers and the directors because the other thing is i i was listening to a season two breaking bad podcast where vince fucking gilligan the showrunner breaking bad had a serious disagreement and misunderstanding with brian cranston who played the star about the motivation and they both they both blew their minds that they were that far off the page. Yeah. So it's like that shit doesn't matter. It's whatever right. the is being served by the story. Yeah, and and it like if the double D's come back and say something, I take it with a little bit more authority. Sure. Because uh, they're creating that narrative. But they're also lying to us because they want the show to work as a TV show. <laughs> right. They're not that above too. lying to us because they don't want to spoil it. I mean, at some extent, a large part of the fan base has to be protected from themselves. Yeah. Because if they could pull a lever and and know how a Game of Thrones ends right now, how many of you guys would do it? All of them. Even though it would fucking ruin the story. <laughs> right. Like, this that was used to be entertaining for me in seasons past. People would write in and be like, ah, oh, I was unspoiled, but your spoiler show is so tempting. And even despite <laughs> the scary warning, I listened and now I wish I hadn't. I'm like, ha Yeah. Like, you are all fallen creatures. <laughs> sinful and weak. I, you know, like, that's just <laughs> right. human nature, man. Absolutely. So, I'd do the same. Part of them as successful marketers is to protect people from themselves. So they just lie. They yeah. lie. They manipulate us to to have an emotional reaction. I mean, that's that's essentially what acting and the creation of these things are. It's 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 lying that we all consider socially acceptable so that we'll feel an emotional response we're missing in our real lives. It's true. So there you go. Um, that's all we got for this week. Uh, this was a little bit. Lo- I I was surprised that there wasn't more. I guess focus, but I think now that there's so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. And it's it's challenging because I have to, you know, some things I can just like, well, okay, if there's nobody, if you're not citing your sources and you're just making stuff up, then unless I find it particularly interesting, I can't read it. I don't have time. But there's just so many possibilities that people are saying like a thousand different things all at once. And somebody's going to be right. But trying to pick which one of those narratives that people are advancing is almost impossible. Yeah. So uh, I try to go with the people that are actual quoting things and and uh, mm-hmm. stuff that i find interesting uh but i appreciate everybody sending in the email uh you can get in you know it, it starts again the wheel keeps turning on sunday night game of thrones at baldmove.com is how you get a hold of us or on the forums forums.baldmove.com uh where people are theory crafting like mad 
and uh, discussing the show. Make sure you flag your stuff. Make, make sure you keep your spoilers out of the non-spoiler threads is all I ask. Uh, try to take it easier on the moderators. Uh, that's it. We'll be back uh, Sunday night for the instant cast, and it all starts again. All right. See you then. Have a good weekend.